Well, um, good to see you this morning. It is Pentecost. It's a day of celebration in the church calendar. I quite like the idea of sort of a hierarchy of days in the church, Jenny, that you've sort of started of days that are really important, of days that may be slightly less important. We're at bronze medal today uh, of kind of Pentecost. But actually for you, I wonder how you find Pentecost, whether you come with some kind of expectation of God to be at work, or you come with a degree of baggage, or you come with a degree of, I don't know, disappointment, or what is it that we approach Pentecost? Because actually across the church calendar and over the history of the church, it's always been um, a celebration, a joy of day of celebration and of joy where Christians celebrate the birth of the church. God has decisively, as he has at other times, but decisively in Pentecost, has come in human history with fire, with wind. Sorry, I've not done that very dramatically, have I? Can't just do fire, but wind, you know, kind of blowing uh, with a power as God's presence comes in a dramatic way to his people, birthing, in many ways, the church. Remember before this passage and uh, the bit we read in Acts, um, there was lots of uncertainty. Jesus had died, and actually they'd spent a lot of time trying to work out what on earth was going on. Jesus had taught, as we read in John's Gospel, that we're going to come to one of those particular verses in a minute. But Jesus had died, had resurrected, and there was lots of confusion, but it appeared to them over that period between his, uh, his death and resurrection, then his ascension. And these disciples were actually a mixture of things, if you read. They they were expectant. They were maybe a little bit fearful. And uncertain as well. What was God going to do? He'd promised lots, but what was he going to do? Which begs us a question. As we've sat in between the season of both Easter and then Ascension, and these last ten days uh, between Ascension and Pentecost... Are we this morning hungry, are we thirsty, are we expectant of anything from God? Do we long for God in any real way? That's obviously no um, this morning. Uh, as, as I kind of say that, I know that. But it's that sense of what is going on within each one of us, with some kind of degree of hope or expectation for God. Is God going to meet us in power? Do we know a God of power and of strength, a God who draws near to us? Or is God in the distance and we're, in a sense, constantly waiting for him to come and to move? And actually, one of the things that I've mulled in the last, well, I suppose, actually, over a whole period of time, it's not just the last number of months, is a sense of deep hunger for what God wants for us as a church. And that's not just because I want it, because, you know, I want us to be a particular type of church, but it's because, actually, I look at around me in the world as we sort of prayed this morning as well and see so many needs. There's so much change that's necessary in our own lives, in our own hearts, in our families, in our neighborhoods, in our schools, in our world, that actually we need God to come. 
We really need God to come, and we can do all sorts of things for that, but do we really have an expectation that God really wants to bring transformation and change? It's a very old prayer, but how often or in the last year have you prayed, come, Holy Spirit, come, Holy Spirit, come, Holy Spirit. Many of you will know who know your Bibles and have been around church a while. There are lots of different images in the Bible. And just briefly, I just want to cover these before we get to the particular verse I want to look at this morning. The Holy Spirit as fire. Actually, I love that image of the Holy Spirit as fire, a wild, powerful, purifying presence. Do you long for the power and presence and purifying work of God in your life? The Holy Spirit is a dramatic wind, energizing, giving purpose and giving direction to your life. Do you long for God's direction for your life? Do you long to know that this is where God has called you and you're stepping out in faith? I'm not calling you to go and journey to Rome like Esther's done, but there might be something where God is beginning to stir you to say, this is what I want you to do. Will you walk with me? Or the Holy Spirit is oil. I actually had a conversation with Yen this week about kind of traditions, even in Bath, you still anoint with oil, with a whole jar of oil. A sign of God's anointing and of God's blessing and of God's calling, but also of a beauty of unity upon his people. Do you long for that, that sense of God's hand on your life? Knowing that he's called you and he's with you, he's set you apart for all you're putting your time and energy to. The Holy Spirit as a dove of peace of purity, of innocence, but also that beautiful time thinking about Jesus' baptism of affirmation. This is my son whom I love. In him I am well pleased at Jesus' baptism. Do you long for that sense of God's peace, of his hand upon you, his affirmation of who you are this morning? And then of water, and bringing you life and vitality to wherever God's at work, where there might be a desert, suddenly God can bring change and new life and new hope, cleansing and bringing life in its abundance. For me, as I think, I know it's really simple, but thinking about even just those five images, and there are others as well, that actually it speaks of a God who wants and longs to come to be with his people, in his people, so we can go out and be his hands and feet in the world. So this morning, do you long for God's power? Do you actually, this morning, just you're so overwhelmed with the struggles in your life that God feels a very long way off? And actually, you need to, this morning, in a sense, re-invite God to come to be in the very midst of your struggles rather than try and run away from them. Are we simply needing to know his presence near us? Or as I love um, the bit in also in John's gospel where Jesus simply 
comes and breathes peace. A particular type of peace, God's peace, God's order, God's presence in the world. As I said, we're going to briefly look at one particular verse, and I just want us to look at that as a way of just reminding ourselves of why we're talking about the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. This one verse in John 15, verse 26, that you read, if you have it in front of me, it hopefully also appear on the screen uh, behind me. When the counselor comes, whom I'll send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. And I want to just briefly look at three simple things from this one verse. Remember, this is Jesus' words. This isn't post-Jesus. This is Jesus' own words. So firstly, who is this Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is God, the person of God. He will testify about me. The Holy Spirit is not an it, an impersonal force. He's a someone. He's a characteristics of a person. He has an intellect. He thinks. He speaks. He can act. He can lead people. The Holy Spirit can be grieved. The Holy Spirit can be saddened. The Holy Spirit knows, he desires, he has a will, he chooses. And most importantly for us this morning, the Holy Spirit loves. The Holy Spirit loves. And the Holy Spirit loves each one of us and loves to pour out the Holy Spirit into our hearts each day. And Jesus says here that the Holy Spirit is the person he's going to send. Notice in the kind of verses, that's what Jesus says. So the Spirit is being sent by Jesus from the Father. The whole Trinity is involved. For those of you who like a bit of theology, it's a lovely verse. Um, but I'll just you know, point that to you, towards you. And Jesus describes here that the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Jesus. This is not some weird other force. This is a person of God. The very Spirit of Jesus, that's also referred to in other parts of the New Testament. And if you kind of struggle to get your head around it, it's quite difficult to get your head around the Trinity. There's a way of thinking about it. It's Jesus' other self might be a way of thinking about it. And actually, as we encounter Jesus and we, we talk about Jesus, we also talk about the Holy Spirit and invite him to come into our lives. A little bit, I know it's used in terms of Jesus. For Revelation 3, we invite Jesus into our lives, knocking at the door. But the same is true in many ways of the Holy Spirit to come and dwell within us. To come and dwell within us. It's glorious news this morning. And Christianity, I know there's lots of conversation about what the essence of Christianity is, but at the end of the day, Christianity in essence is about a relationship. A relationship with a God who loves us and knows us. It's personal. And it's a wonderful relation. It's not so much about the rules and an overarching arching philosophy and theology, although those things are important to make sure we understand and think through. But it's about a relationship with a person, living in friendship with a, with a wonderful person this morning. Do you know, and I know um, I've said this many times, so I apologize, but I don't in many ways apologize for saying this again. Um, you know, we live in sort of a world of so many kind of complexities and 
There's so many different things that we think are the greatest needs in our world, but yeah, I think it was even Mother Teresa who said that the biggest problem in the world um, is not starvation, it's loneliness. It's loneliness. Bear in mind what she used to do. And actually, there's an epidemic in so much in the Western society, particularly of loneliness. And our vision of, of loneliness and is possibly of someone who's, you know, either person who's stuck in the last two years in lockdown is somebody who's stuck in a flat on their own, maybe in a high-rise block or in a, in a bungalow somewhere who's just literally on their own. And that for us, I think, is, do you know, they're the lonely people. But I hope you realize, actually, loneliness is far more prevalent than that. It can just be simply someone in a bar looking to try and meet somebody, surrounded by people, surrounded by all sorts of activities, but simply having an ache in them, knowing that they are desperately lonely, longing for presence in their life. And that sense of being surrounded by other people who live, seem to be living these ideal lives full of all sorts of stuff, actually in many ways can compound that sense of loneliness that everybody else is fine, but I'm sat here on my own. And in a sense, when we talk about loneliness, really it's a kind of cosmic loneliness is the way someone described it. Being in God's world without living in relationship with God. That's why what we talk about and what we do here on a Sunday matters. A kind of homesickness for God. And the thing is this, and it's been the truth in many times uh, over the whole of my life, is that once we're in relationship with with God, with Jesus, we invite him into our life and we uh, receive the Holy Spirit, is that yes, there'll be tough times, but we are never alone. That cosmic loneliness, that thing is dealt with. And yes, there'll be different seasons. And God promises to come and dwell within us by his spirit. He's always with us. So Holy Spirit is God. Secondly, what's he like? Um, Well, Jesus says here, when the counselor comes. And counselor, the literal Greek word is parakletos. And it's an unusual word. It's translated actually in a whole number of ways. And so it's actually quite hard to translate, but in many ways, the, word, the, the kind of one that I find most helpful is the one who is called alongside. Sometimes it's translated as advocate, it's translated in your Bible as, as counsellor. When it talks about advocate, it's talking about a courtroom setting, somebody who stands alongside you in court. Sometimes it's translated as the encourager, the one who stands by you to encourage you and spur you on in your life. And sometimes the comforter, the one who's constantly there giving you strength. But literally, the description is the one called alongside. And I've been thinking about this picture of the Holy Spirit as the one who comes alongside probably for the last year. And that's why I'm preaching on this rather than preaching on Acts 2 this morning. And that kind of the image that people often use about this is is, for example, a tugboat that goes down to a ship that's in the sea, and the ship may be no longer able to move, but the tugboat goes and tethers itself to the ship and then brings the ship home to the safety of the harbor. 
it comes alongside and brings it to safety. Actually, the image that I sit with, I occasionally have walked around, is the Dartmouth, foot, uh, the Dartmouth ferry, car ferry, little tugboat that attaches itself to the actual ferry and actually just comes alongside the ferry and guides the ferry in the right direction, gives it direction, gives it purpose. And actually, the ferry doesn't change. This ferry is still its own, but the Holy Spirit is that picture of coming alongside. And that's what the Holy Spirit promises to do for us, to come alongside, to guide us, to direct us, to give us purpose, not just to dwell within us. I don't know whether you saw the news last month, but there was a news story in the news in the States, I think it was in Florida, where a man went out in a small aircraft uh, to fly, and then the person who was flying the plane had a kind of a medical episode and sort of was unable to fly. And this guy found himself flying in, in a plane, never having flown before, uh, with a pilot who couldn't fly it. And he managed to, with the uh, direction of the person in the control tower, safely land the plane. But he had to hang on the words of the control tower. He had to listen to all that has been told, all that has been guided, and he managed to to land the plane safely, even though he'd never had any experience before. I don't know today whether actually you think your life is going great. I hope it's not in crisis like you're in a plane with no pilot. I hope that's not your kind of sense of where you are this morning. But most of us, we sat this morning with different things consuming our lives. Anxieties, fears, stuff of living that we get consumed by, difficult relationships, difficult work situations. And it's very easy to get consumed by all those things. And actually one of the things as we invite God into our lives and we come in that place of worship where I can't tell you the number of times where... Um, whether it's going to visit someone who I really respect or coming to pray with me or coming simply into the place of worship, where I've entered that place completely dominated by certain fears and anxieties, but that I've managed to take those things off me and give them back to God and lay them at the foot of his cross. I've gone away completely transformed. What's that process? It's simply nothing actually has changed, but my perspective has completely changed. I'm no longer carrying my own burdens. I'm no longer crushed by all those kind of things. But he's carrying them for me and with me. And actually, in the promise of the Holy Spirit, the one who draws alongside, that's what the Holy Spirit promises to do for us. We don't need to do life on our own, trying desperately just to do it and wondering why we get ourselves in a mess. But he promises not just to be within us, but to come alongside and be with us in in all the things of life that we do. Then lastly, and very briefly, thirdly, what will he do? Uh, This is a particularly beautiful verse uh, in terms of understanding the role of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But Jesus says, he will testify about me. And the amazing thing about the Holy Spirit is that the Holy Spirit doesn't point to himself. The Holy Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit points to Jesus. 
So I hope and pray that as God by his spirit draws alongside us, it will help you to draw nearer in your relationship with Jesus this day. Because Jesus said, when the counselor comes, whom I'll send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. Do you know, growing in our confidence in the nearness of God, in our relationship with Jesus, constantly pointing others to the wonder and splendor of Jesus Christ and all he's done for us, coming, living, dying, being resurrected, ascended, so that we could be united with God.